Hello and welcome to Josh Coleman's podcast, a place to have inspired conversation with interesting people. Hey everyone. On today's episode, I have a good friend, Jake Patterson, on to talk about his experience with being diagnosed as schizophrenic. Um, That could be a triggering subject to people, so please be warned. However, it's a very fascinating conversation and involves a level of personal understanding and introspection that I think is very, very interesting. Please enjoy. Hey, Jake. Happy to have you here. Yes, I'm really happy to be here myself. Yeah, we're actually uh, recording this in my van right now, which has become a movable office, which I think (laughs) is pretty cool. Um, just before we started here, we were talking, and, and Jake, you mentioned you were feeling a bit nervous. I absolutely am. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little unsure of myself, but it'll be okay. Yeah, well, one of the reasons that we talk about that at the start of these episodes is that everybody's nervous, and whenever we're going to record ourselves, dare I say professionally, I think there's always an edge of, oh, fuck, what if I don't say the right thing, <laughs> or what if I misrepresent the things that I'm trying to talk about, but, you know, life is a funny building process of... <laughs> just doing it over and over again until you feel comfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> it's true um and i mean in truth all we're doing is having a conversation anyway which is something i'm actually really good at so <laughs> we'll just roll with that exactly so what we're going to talk today about is mental health and one of the reasons is we sat down off record <laughs> or off audio recording about a month ago and we talked about all these wonderful things in mental health and as we were talking i thought fuck let's try to get this onto a podcast Absolutely, um, and I truly believe that uh, this is stuff that everyone can relate to in some form or another, and it's uh, it's definitely something that should be spoken about more more so, more often. And you can see that change in our society lately, how there is a lot more talk about mental health. Which is wonderful. It is, and, and there's depression and anxiety, which is a mental health issue I think people have always had, but covered up with hard-working <laughs> attitudes and, uh, and, and substances and everything else, um, but... Uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is a little more intense. Yes. Can you tell us about your history with mental health? Uh, yeah. So essentially, um, it's something I've dealt with my entire life. Uh, I have a diagnosis of uh, schizophrenia as well as uh, borderline personality disorder. I technically also have a diagnosis of OCD. Um, over the winter, they were trying to diagnose me with complex post-traumatic stress, which is something that you can get from the trauma of having schizophrenia. Um, that diagnosis never finished because I had to leave, but, um, so I would never say I have it, but it is, uh, in the, the repertoire of, uh, the, uh, the history of at least diagnoses. So, I mean, broad question, but how have these affected your life? Um, I mean, in like the way that we look at it, the way that we look at mental health, um, we are our mental health problems. And, and what I mean by that is like, the uh, the schizophrenia the the borderline all of it is created who I am. Um, I'm a very strong and resilient person. Um, I'm I'm very adaptable. Um, and like I remember a while back, um, one of my psychiatrists that I was seeing for a while, she asked me once, um, "What are the chains that hold you down?" And uh, my response was, "Those those chains are what keep me grounded. They're uh, they're what they're my filter to the world. It's how I see the world through my own eyes." And, uh, the, what I, the, she looked at me and she's like, no one's ever answered like that. She's like, because most people consider their chains to be this negative influence on their life that, uh, something that they, they can't move forward or traps them. And, uh, like, I believe that like with anxiety, depression and anything in that category is like they, they can be used as our strengths. And, um, 
I think that if more more if more focus is put into seeing them as who we are rather than the illness itself, I think there's power in that. Yeah, well, that was the reason when we had talked about a month ago, you spoke of a lot of these positives in your own life about these these things. And I was, again, no one's ever talked to me like that either. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it. Not to say that everyone should feel positive about what they're doing, but this has been your experience. So we want to focus in on that. Exactly. Um, you mentioned also that there are times where you've gone, dare I say, insane. In other words, <laughs> like you've had you've had mental breaks but that there was some sort of positivity in that as well. Can you talk about that at all? Absolutely. Um, so, and I mean, the word insanity is clinically true. Um, there's like a, a major difference between clinical insanity and uh, the insanity of everyday life. Um, and uh, it's really just a, a uh, I, I put it as a higher level functioning above the normal mental level um, because there is a break in the line there. And it's, uh, it's pretty much just complete unawareness of yourself within the physical world and uh what you're doing um and i have uh i have a lot of thoughts and feelings that surround that um when uh when we're trapped in that sort of state of insanity i truly believe that it's a i I personally believe that it is something that when i go into it there's a lot of stuff that i do there's a lot of stuff that happens i don't remember a lot of it and uh, a lot of it's not so great while it's happening, but um, I believe that there's maybe perhaps, uh, I don't want to use the word spiritual because I think that's the wrong word for it, but I think that when we're in that level of functioning, that we're in this realm of consciousness that isn't usually touched upon in everyday life, and it's like even famous artists, famous physicists, um, like all of those great people have all touched insanity. Um, I mean, Da Vinci had schizophrenia, or at least has them recorded to have, um, and then, uh, like a bunch of people like, uh, like Einstein wasn't, he was, a uh, he was, there's a lot of documents stating that he was not so mentally secure in terms of like the normal mental function. Um, and so, like, even if you take, like, the, the movie A Brilliant Mind, or Beautiful Mind, um, like, he was a mathematical genius. Um, and so it's, like, being able to touch this part is almost like opening our brains up to something that we're not aware of in our physical world. And it's be so far beyond that, so that when you come out of being insane, um, and this takes months because it's a very hard thing to come out of, but um, I gain insights that I would have never had before um i gain information that uh, i piece together as the months go on and in the end like now like that uh, that last episode was about eight months ago now um which is not that long ago um like my level of emotional functioning my level of mental functioning my my awareness of my physical space is eons above where it was before I noticed that shift in you personally because I knew you kind of during that and also I think a bit before that you would come to some of my classes and stuff. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But I've noticed that as well. Like you're in your field, it seems much more clear and, and all that kind of stuff. And not to say it's always going to be that way though, as you know, we keep going through the wheel. <laughs> the ebb and flow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to share my own personal uh, story with this kind of stuff too because there was a time about 10 years ago when I started to really open myself up to... Uh, I actually did an incantation when I was at home that I said I want to start to see things that can't be seen 
And it sounds very similar to what you're saying. And I had a lot of friends that were very concerned with me at the time when I went through it because there was that, yeah, that edge of, of insanity was very strong in me. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time also coming out of it and then and then going through the, the insights that you're talking about. And I was thinking, I was like, well, maybe, you know, there's a dance between the known and the unknown. Yes. And in order to bridge that gap, you got you to gotta <laughs> do something. Something has to happen, like you we're said. We're human. Yeah, but some, some sort of something has to disrupt the normal pattern of what's going on because the known is very safe and secure and the unknown can be very scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes these moments of, of mental illness absolutely can be used as a bridge into something more. And it's not to suggest it like, please everyone go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't suggest it. This is, this is not a recommendation, <laughs> but if a person is going through these things, having providing some context basically as to how, it can be a useful process rather than specifically a, a completely negative process. I think it's a good thing, and that's why we're doing this today. Um, that makes me think of something like my whole life, um, because I have schizophrenia, which means that I, I do have like very severe hallucinations, and I hear a lot of voices and images and all the stuff that comes along with that, with the, the positive symptom side. Um, like when I was a kid, I would talk about this stuff because naturally it's my world, and. Uh, and then as I started to grow up and realize that this stuff isn't part of the uh, the common consciousness, the common perception, um, being called crazy, being called like insane is something that I've been called my whole life. Um, and I think there's a really interesting catch-22 to that because um, when I'm actually in a state of insanity, I'm not told that because... <laughs> I'm holding because I'm holding it inside Um, because I'm not aware that I'm insane and I'm not. But at the same time, like I'm aware that I'm not really okay. I'm aware that something's not right. um, And I'm aware that things aren't going perfect. So I'm, I'm holding all of it inside. Um, And so it's just really funny how we do that. It's like um, anything that is, that strays from what we consider the norm is considered insane. But, um, anything that is actually truly insane is considered beautiful and well, at least what comes out of it right which doesn't nah. the art part <laughs> the art part yeah the aftermath <laughs> um i have a question for you sure um, where you said that you deal with hallucinations mm-hmm. um do you have any methods on how to sort of test those against any sort of objectivity like do you have any ways that you deal with that in order to keep grounded absolutely yeah um and that's just taken 31 years to deal with um mm-hmm. so like one uh the, the the example that comes to mind is uh, one uh, the most common one I have is probably just like um, this particular one I probably have like weekly at least and it's just a, like I'll see it raining and it's not actually raining mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, what I used to do was use other people um, whether it was a voice whether it was a, a hallucination such as rain or like seeing a cat somewhere uh, you know a panther on a roof or something mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I used to use other people and be like could you see that Um, And then I started to go through my own self-healing and my own self-regulation. And I started to realize that in order for me to actually start healing for my own self, I needed to, like, figure out ways. And so if if I'm looking outside and it's raining, like, the the ground won't be wet. So that's, like, where I trigger. I'd be like, okay, it's not actually raining. It just looks like it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least it is to me. So you can find some objectivity and then find a way to kind of track it back to measure it up in Exactly. And like a panther on a roof, um, at this point, I'm aware that panthers don't 
hang out on roofs. So <laughs> it's just that you've got to apply some logic not to it. Not in North America. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> not here, at least. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned logic. This is something we spoke about as well, that sometimes there can be an overlap between sort of more, I'm going to say the word spiritual or soulful <laughs> uh, mental impressions and perceptions, and then the logical mind. How do you, how do you work with that? Um, and I mean, there's a lot of uh, conflict between the two of them because of that um, Osho who is uh, one of my main men. I, lo I love the man, um, and I love his writings. Uh, essentially, he has this uh, this like pyramid that he has created, and he says that uh, it goes physical, uh, physical, mental, spiritual, and essentially spiritual is at the top. And anything... So like, like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If... Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and essentially, anything below can't understand the one above. So spiritual, because spirituality is at the top, it means that mental or mental state or logical state can't understand it. But as human beings, our brain wants to understand, it wants to make logic out of what's happening around us. So if the wind blows in a strange way and uh, you, you get a feeling, um, we're more likely to make logic out of it. Because as human beings, we exist in this physical world, it's the most prominent form and that's what we're taught, um, especially within the Western culture. So when it comes to like conditions, um, schizophrenia is not the only one. I mean, like, like if you took like uh, bipolar, for example, which is just like a really huge fluctuation of emotion. Um, and I believe there's a lot of spiritual intent to all that. But point is, is that like if I see something and uh, my brain wants to make logic out of it, so it makes so it creates this tear in my own brain. Mm -hmm. Because um, essentially, I have to believe what my, what I perceive. I have no other choice. So it creates a very confusing world. Um, a very uh, and this is uh, this is more so the problem with the uh, the the illness itself is the uh, the confusion that it creates. The not really understanding what's around you, not trusting anything because you can't trust your own eyes in terms of what's logic and what's not. Mm -hmm. um, so there's it's essentially just trying to create logic out of my world that is completely illogical. Mm -hmm. And there's, it does create a lot of conflict in that regard. And I think that not even people that don't have more, maybe a stronger diagnosis like that probably still have that same conflict. In fact, in our world, there's often said like there's logical people and there's artistic people, for example. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we can start to live in a world that integrates these things a little bit more too. Maybe each one has its place, you know, like right now it's like, oh, I've got the left hand is logic, the right hand is art. Well, we're working, two hands work together to make things all the time, it's right? It's true, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of power in that too. Um, there was like a video I watched a little while back and it was kind of talking about this stuff, um, about how like back in primitive times when you know, we were just beginning, we wouldn't have survived if we were all perfect, like did the same thing, if we were all good at the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like some people were designed to stay up all night, which would be like a form of like a sleep disorder, what we call it, like the sleep disorders. Um, some people were designed to be like hunters, um, which makes them better with like hand-eye coordination and stuff like that. Um, other people were better at weaving or stuff like that. And so I think that a lot of what we separate as different intelligences, we try to put in this one mold we're trying to put everyone in one gigantic mold, but we're all different types of intelligence with all different strengths and weaknesses. And we're applying these mental illness terms to this. And I think there's a lot of uh, root cause with that because that, well, we're just... That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. 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 And, and perhaps, again, a person with schizophrenia who is going out into the 
unknown or uncharted territories and then coming back with insight like you spoke about when you have like certain episodes maybe those are the philosophers of the day you know could like, be yeah at least at least within me like um like i'm a pretty open-minded spiritual person anyway um i mean i know some people with schizophrenia who are insanely logical yeah. um and they don't believe in the spiritual world at all and when like these people are successful yeah so it's like uh, me of who i am within my spirituality and my emotional and mental state perhaps yeah right and, and what i hear you saying right there is that <laughs> let's not label everybody with the same um quote-unquote diagnosis all the same type of person either because we're all completely different and yeah i do think that might be the danger of labels um absolutely yeah like i think i know a lot of people that have struggled because they were labeled with various things basically and then almost identified with those things too like mm -hmm. less less with um, schizophrenia and more, <laughs> more with other diagnoses but it's like it feels like there's a positive and a negative to labeling the positive is if a person is unaware of what's going on it can kind of put a bit of ground be like okay i'm dealing with insert whatever but the negative is it's possible to again identify with a diagnosis and then almost like have a personality <laughs> based around that so what's your experience with that being like um and that's like huge i think that's also very human um we want to know more about ourselves we want to be able to define ourselves and fundamentally as human beings we need definition we need to put things into categories to understand them um, because we, we live in a linear time frame in this waking life and so when it comes to that sort of thing um, and the internet has been catastrophic in that particular sense because <laughs> you know we're all going to die according to you know MD but um, <laughs> but like we want to define ourselves so I do find it very frustrating like I never I will I usually won't say anything and I just step back but like if you come to me and you tell me that you have schizophrenia and or or like borderline or anything it doesn't even matter what it is if you tell me that you you are manic depressive which is different clinically different than depressive state mm -hmm. um and you tell me that you have that and then I I will ask if you were diagnosed with it um and you say no like that's not the same thing um schizophrenia takes 8 months to diagnose mm -hmm. it's not something that they hand out um, and you need active symptoms for those eight months going through treatment as well as diagnosis the whole time. Yeah. Um, and like bipolar, which is another pretty severe one, um, it also takes a long time to diagnose these things. Um, and we all have experiences that relate to everything that I experience. Um, it's really about the extreme, the extreme right. amount yeah. of how we experience it. I think an easy example of that is for OCD, because I know that I have some OCD tendencies, and most people <laughs> I know have some tendencies, but yeah. for the diagnosis of OCD, it means that it totally runs your life. Correct? Exactly, um, and that's and that's really, that's the criteria, is how, how much does it distress you and how much does it interfere with your normal level of functioning. Yeah. And that's blanket for all the, uh, the illnesses. Can I ask, and this is actually just me not knowing, um, what is the difference, would you say, between psychosis and schizophrenia? Psychosis, uh, so psychosis is a symptom of schizophrenia. Okay. Um, and that's the easiest way to say it. So, like, depression, anxiety, um, all of those stuff are, like, in them in themselves, like, illnesses. But those are all symptoms of schizophrenia. Okay. Um, so, it's just, that's it. Psychosis um, is just a symptom. Um, you can have, like, a schizoid personality disorder which is like on your tree of schizophrenia at the top it's like at the bottom and then you can go through the different gotcha. up to the top but yeah um i have a couple of friends honestly that were diagnosed with uh, schizoid personality disorder and i gotta say every single one of them are in the world like 
it's it's pretty cool actually as you said there's a there's a lot of resilience that comes with it there's a ability to have your coping mechanisms and your ways of being that kind of like adapt but also yeah it's it's a really very personal thing as you said and it's 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 actually really powerful too if you're somebody who can uh, it's it's not about overcoming it's about integrating it into who you are mm-hmm. and uh, using that as a strength rather than a weakness yeah um okay there was Well, here's the thing. Um, You mentioned that you wanted to go to a retreat center recently, Mm -hmm. and they asked you about different diagnosis, and... Uh, Yeah, like, this particular place um, specifically asked me, or, well, it's on the the booking form, if you have schizophrenia, or any... It was, like, schizophrenia or severe psychosis-related disorders. Um, And, uh, like, ideally, I could just lie and say no, but... um, like, this is something that I've been faced with many times in the past, and essentially I have to take the box, and I was denied entry to the uh, to the retreat because of it. Um, there's, like, other ones that ha- have happened the same way. Um, and even, like, jobs and stuff like that, I don't have to tell them, and I do generally don't. Um, but the thing is, is that I do... Like, I'm aware of the fact that I break down very quickly, especially under stress, mm-hmm. especially after prolonged stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just part of the, uh, it's part of the condition. It's part of my life. Um, I'm getting stronger and stuff, but so like lying about it will eventually bite me in the ass because down the line, I do have a history of breaking down yes, yeah. and it's just, you know, and <laughs> whether or not it's fair is very far beyond that. What it really comes down to is not truly understanding the diagnosis themselves not truly understand the people, not truly understand how to treat it, um, and treat the people who want it. And the thing is, is that like one of the reasons I understand is because I know my past, like just myself. I know what I have been through, and I know what I've done, which means that I can kind of see it from their perspective. If someone with schizophrenia in the past sort of had a breakdown, and they didn't know what to do, and like they're liable for that, so like it's very complex and when you're in a psychotic psychotic state um you're not aware of yourself that doesn't make you dangerous in any way i'm not a dangerous person so i've never been dangerous but it does mean that i could freak out and run away into the woods or something of that sort yeah it's really awesome and very open-minded of you to be able to see it from their perspectives as well because i wasn't actually bringing this up to say yeah and fuck that retreat center (laughs) um because i do Working with mental illness is, is it's hard, and it's something that has to be taken into consideration. Yes. I think rather than saying that they've done wrong, it's just it would be nice if there were places for people to be able to work these things out. You know, like yes. even if it was a weekend retreat that specifically had people in that in that state, if you know what I mean. But then again, that almost separates. Like it's a weird, it's a weird it situation. It's, it's a very what complex do we deal one. With this? Yeah. And that's just it. Like I'm very in control of myself, and um, but I mean. Most people I know who have, you know, conditions like this, they're not doing half as well as I am, um, and I'm not even really doing that well. No, well, um, look, I, I've I've seen your integrity, and that's one of the reasons again I wanted to to have this conversation. So, yes. Yeah. So I appreciate. I know your integrity, and I know that you're a person who's really doing a lot of self work, in combination with with working with, with these. What do you call them? These. Um, disadvantages basically that are going to make all that kind of stuff a little bit harder or or better maybe depending on how you look at it <laughs> perhaps not in the, the present situation but yeah. in time absolutely yeah. 
Um, and there was one more thing that we wanted to talk about, and it was kind of like with that compassion that you had for the retreat center, we were talking about the fact that our whole system is set up um, in a way that's also hard because our care workers who also deal with some form of mental illness, you know, regardless if it's a lighter diagnosis or not, burn out. And you can't blame them for that either, right? <laughs> so this is another reason that this is so hard. And where do where do people with these issues go? Is because it's it's hard for the people that are taking care of of each other not to burn out. Yeah, and uh, this is a, this is based on a lot of things. My own experience, like with the people around me, um, based in being in like in an institution and like watching the nurses and the stuff, the doctors and stuff, and. Um, there's just a lot of, like, I'm somebody who, a lot of my life, who has really needed to be cared for in different ways, just to, uh, to live, uh, somewhat of a normal life, and that's actually the prognosis, prognosis, is to, uh, medicate, to, uh, have somewhat of, somewhat of a level of comfort, and, um, so, the, the, the way that I really view this is, um, as, as humans, as a normal level functioning human, and, and I, don't mean that we, uh, I don't, that's just the way that I put it. You're not being judgmental. Yeah, that's what I was worried about. But, um, as a normal level functioning person, um, we tend to, like, we only have so much energy that we are capable of giving. Um, and a lot of, like, we have our personal energy and that is like technically ours. That is our energy. It is ours to do what we need with it to live our lives. Um, and this actually comes down to a breakdown in our spiritual development and connecting to that. But, um, so when we are doing giving long-term care to another human being and like this is even just like personal care workers or nurses just like even just regular people who are perhaps looking after your elderly parents um people with dementia people with severe mental illness people with severe handicaps stuff like that um you personally only have so much energy that you can give and but this other person needs energy to you know sustain life to to be able to have a, some sort of level of comfort and in truth, it's as humans, we have compassion, we have love, and we do, we truly want to help each other. But um, after long-term care, we don't truly know how to look after ourselves. We don't always truly know how to look after someone else in another position. And so we end up draining, our the, the caregiver ends up draining their own energy, which is going to lead to their own breakdown, their own depression, their own anxiety, their own, um, you know, like a chronic tiredness um insomnia anything that comes along with that stuff which is going to you know it's going to create a a very negative space for you to live in yourself so when we take that from like even just so and put it into like nurses um people who spend a lot of time at these uh like like institutions and uh, these care places um they're being pulled every which way and then they have to go home to their families um, their lives and you know take care of themselves take care of their families and um, it's so it's this, it's, a, it's a very tough situation because we don't truly know how to look after ourselves and until we can really learn to connect with that and learn how to truly help the mental health mental illness community as well as ourselves there's going to be this constant disconnection mm -hmm. and um and I don't think we're actually coming up with too many solutions right now because, again, we're all dealing with ourselves and each <laughs> other as best we can. And hopefully that's just going to get better and better and better with more education, mm -hmm. more compassion, more understanding, more self-care. 
all those things. Yeah. My, my youngest brother is mentally and physically disabled because he was hit by a car when he was two years old. Mm -hmm. And so I know very much what it looks like when caregivers burn out because I've had that experience myself. And so has my mom and, and, and other people in the family I've seen, I've seen firsthand what it can, <laughs> what it can be like. And that's a little bit different because with um, physical and mental disability, um, is essentially like a child so we do need to take care of him in that way a hundred percent um but that same that exact same function applies like we've seen yeah. people burn out quite a few times over the years and uh it's and that's just it we uh sometimes we're put in that situation um and we don't have a choice but th what really makes what really breaks my heart is like when we're put in that situation and we do start, uh, well, if somebody's put in that situation and they start to break down, it's almost like they start to beat, beat themselves up for right. it. And like, that's going to make your own mental state even worse because you're just one, you're just like, I'm trying to be a compassionate person. I'm trying to help this person. And you're not fully in a place to recognize that, that your feelings are valid and, um, that, you know, you need the mental support as well. And uh, it, it's a, it is a, it's a, defi it's a definitive breakdown into the, uh, the way our mental health system works in general, which is just not even close to adequate. Um, and there's a long road ahead of this, um, which is, uh, one of the reasons that I want to take the path that I want to take, which is, um, going into psychology for school so that I can, uh, Essentially, I want to become a research psychiatrist so that I can work on the uh, the ethics that are involved in our mental health system. Um, That's great. Well, it's the plan. Um, it's going to take some time, especially I've had a setback. So it, it just means that it's still a plan and it's still going to happen. It just means that I have more healing that I have to do right now. I know a couple of people even here in Halifax that work in mental health and have had mental health issues. I know that it's possible uh, for that to happen. So I really... and. Who would, who would know better, <laughs> right? Like that's true. Uh, I personally, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Who would know better? And especially, again, if you've got yourself at a place where you know your triggers and you know how to deal with yourself as best as you can, and then you can empathetically explain to other people uh, that process, right? Either yeah. people who are dealing with, with these mental health issues or the caregivers themselves. I mean, I'm sure that you'd be an instrumental help in either side of that. And uh, I, I hope so, at least. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um well, there's one question I've been asking everybody at the end of these podcasts, and sure. that is just, if you had one message for the world, and it could be about mental health or it could be about anything, what would that message be? Um, have compassion for yourself, no matter what. Um, we're all human. We, uh, we all do things that we're not so proud of, and we all have black marks in our past, but have compassion and love for yourself, and uh, that... Uh, that ripple effect will affect everybody on the face of this planet for the rest of the life. I mean, that actually makes me feel really emotional. Thank you so much for coming on here, Jake. I love you lots. Thank you. I love you too, Josh. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions for the podcaster today, send an email to questionjcp at gmail.com. That's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-J-C-P at gmail.com. 